Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. You guys know it's all right to have fun in church. You know, I said, when I, when I have a church one day, I want it to be like youth service every week. When we used to be in youth group, man, we would party. Like, we would just go crazy. I don't even, we did stupid stuff in our youth ministry. I mean, like, flooded the sanctuary. We can't do that kind of stuff here. But we had the most wild, crazy parties. And then, like, you grow up and you go to big church. And big church is always boring. And I said, if I'm going to have a church, big church is not going to be boring. The closer the disciples got to Jesus, the more like little kids they became. Do you know that? They were always arguing for who Jesus loved the most. You know John, the disciple who Jesus loved? You know that that's the only book that that's in is in the book of John? John wrote that? I'm the disciple who Jesus loved? Like, like that's little kids. My kids fight over who I like the best. That's what they, so, so tonight, can we just take off all our adult hats? And just be little kids again in the kingdom. Come on, can we have fun at church? Come on, can we just, can we party a little bit? They party in here on Friday and Saturday. What, what? Ow. I like that. I want to I read you something. Uh, yeah, James chapter 2, verse 19. And uh, this one's pretty awesome. I like this verse. And it's, one. we're going to read two title verses for this. Uh, and then, uh, no, I'm, I'm going to read, I'm going to read one. Actually, let's go to, yeah, James 2, 19 through 23. There we go. Awesome. You believe that there is one God. Anybody believe that there is one God? Come on. You believe there is one God? What's his name? Jesus. Jesus. You believe that there is one God. See, we get, we get real excited about believing that there is one God. We get real pumped up, man. I believe in Jesus. I got the bumper sticker to prove it and the T-shirt with the cheesy, uh, you know, cheesy eagle on it. You know, I, I got the tattoo to prove I love Jesus. You believe that there is one God. Good. <laughs> Even the demons believe that. And not only do they believe that, they shudder at his name. We know that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord on heaven on earth and under earth we know that the demons not only believe that Jesus is God but they they shudder at his name when the name Jesus is said bowing takes place not just in heaven not just on earth but under earth baby somebody say Jesus Jesus Jesus, Jesus. Uh, you believe there's one God good even the demons believe that and shudder, you foolish person. Now, I, I, I'm not saying this. I'm not calling you a fool, but I guess, I guess James is. Sorry, James is he's, he's in a bad mood, attitude, dude. Uh, you foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did? Somebody say, do something. So turn to your other neighbor and say, do something with your faith. Uh, wasn't he considered righteous for what he did, not just what he had faith in? When he offered his son Isaac on the altar. Next verse. You see that his faith 
and his actions, somebody say actions, were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. God's friend. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm a believer. Turn your other neighbor and say, I'm a believer. If you are a believer, then God calls you his friend. But the only way we will be believers is when our faith lines up with our actions and then we become believers. Abraham was credited to being a believer because his faith in God lined up with his actions to trust God even when it didn't make sense to trust God his actions even when it contradict look even when it was contradictory to everything he knew about God even if, even if it was contrary to everything he knew that God wanted to do for him he trusted God above and beyond his limited knowledge and because he trusted, he trusted so much that he stepped out in action and his action lined up with his faith. God called him a believer, but not only did he call him a believer, he called him a friend. I don't know about you, but I want to be a friend of God. I don't want to just hear about this thing. I don't want to just talk about this thing. I don't want to just read about the Christmas story. I want to realize what is my place in the Christmas story. I'm, Am I just hearing about a sweet baby Jesus in a manger? Or is there some reason you're telling me about baby Jesus? And tonight I, I want to break into that for a little bit. Is that okay? I, I want us to catch, are we believers or are we just have faith? You can move mountains with faith, but I don't really want to just move mountains. I want to be a friend of God. I mean, what, what, what's the big deal if we move some mountains and, and we do not know God and then we get to heaven and he goes, I don't know you. Who are you? I want to be a friend of God. That means that when I come in this room, I'm taking this thing serious, man. Look, look, I'm telling you, I, I, I came past and I ba could barely get here on time because there was a basketball game tonight from, a, from an awesome team, the Lakers, who sometimes loses and sometimes wins and sometimes loses and sometimes loses and then sometimes wins. But we just love the Lakers because it's L.A. or we love the Clippers or something in between, right? But that whole arena is packed out with a whole bunch of people that have faith and they've put an action to their faith, which means they believe. So they have become friends of the Lakers. So whether the Lakers win or lose, they're going to put action to their faith and they believe in the Lakers. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with believing that the Lakers can win. You keep believing. We'll keep believing together. We'll believe for miraculous signs from heaven and wonders, and God will show up. Amen, and praise the Lord. But do we believe God like people believe in the Lakers? Do, do we really? Because people will pay whatever price, fight through traffic. You know, people can't find a parking space on the way to church, and they go, oh, I don't think this church is for me. <laughs> But I'm driving to the Lakers, dude. I can't even get it. I, I'm, I'm stuck in traffic for an hour. And, and the parking is $30. And people are, they got their jackets on. They got their, I mean, what if we started believing in our Jesus, put our faith to action in our Jesus, 
like people do in this society with all. Look, can I tell you this? Why do I bring that up? Not to put down a Lakers fan or if you're a fan of sports or anything like that. I'm a fan of I'm a fan of coffee, man. I love coffee. I'll drink coffee anywhere at any time with anybody, any flavor, any roast. We all we all have things we love. But I'm just what if we woke up for a second and realized the level of worship that is inside of us? That is the level of worship when their team scores and the crowd erupts. But in worship, we have a whole bunch of cheerleaders and a whole bunch of people sitting on the sidelines in churches all over America. Not in this church, not in this, not in this church. This church is rowdy, radical, crazy, awesome. But I want us to walk away from this saying, I believe in God. I don't just have faith that God is there. Even the demons have that, and they shudder at his name. But I believe that that baby was more than a baby. The story of Christmas is more than about one birth. It's about the birth of billions of people that would walk into new life because of one prison break. You see, Jesus was the first of many brothers and sisters. You have been born into the family of God. You are, you are reborn into the family of God. You have a new inheritance. You have a new life. And with that said, I want you just to lift both hands. Come on, believers. We've, we've put our faith in action. We've shown up tonight. Contrary to whatever we are feeling, whatever we are going through, you fought through traffic. You paid for parking. You did it. Now tonight, Lord, we receive this word that is coming out of this microphone. We believe it is not just from a man. Lord, that is hyped up on caffeine. But, Father, we thank you, Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is in this room. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are going to transform us from people of faith to friends of God. In your name. And somebody said, amen. I want to I read you this. Roman 1.16 says this. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Belief is everything. Really, if we are believers, it's everything. The Bible says, he who believes. If you believe in your heart and confess, it's not just about confessing with your mouth, but we have to believe in our heart. And belief always leads to action. And, and God is, is not demanding something from us he doesn't do. In fact, this God so loved the world that he gave. It was God who first gave. When I was messed up when I, and still messed up and every day messed up and thank God his mercies are new every morning and they helped me get up one more day and get out of my depression and get out of my anxiety and say, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Do I, do I have a witness out there? Come on, can I get an amen, brother? <laughs> Jesus... Jesus was first in this. That really, really to love, you have to lose. You have to be willing to lose to love. If you're not willing to lose, then you're not willing to love. Jesus was willing to lose heaven to come to earth to be with us. And God was willing to give everything. You know, I, I, read, I started reading through the, the, the stories of, of this because I, I love this. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel and uh, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. And I, as I was reading that, I couldn't help but think about 
the gospel and, and the fullness of it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I love the end of the gospel where, where Jesus dies on the cross. I mean, he's got his shirt off. He's, you know, in, in, the, in the videos I've seen or the movies, he's ripped out. And, you know, he takes the whip on this. I mean, that's a real man right there. I, I don't know how he did it, but he, he made it through 39 lashes. And then, and then they bury him. He doesn't whisper a word. I mean, he says things to kings like, uh, if it was, it is not up to you that you torture me. If it was up to who I came, I'm, I'm not of this world. Uh, you know, this this is not my home. If it was, my servants would fight to rescue me. But but you have no control. I mean, he said bad thing. I mean, these could be in movie quote lines, pump you up, get you ready for CrossFit, whatever it's going to take. I'm feeling guilty. That's why I keep mentioning CrossFit. Amen. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so I love the end of the gospel, but but many times, just being honest, the beginning of the gospel isn't as exciting to me, uh, and, and, and ultimately because, um, you know, babies don't pump me up. I, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to say it any different, but, but, you know, I love Christmas, and I love what it's all about, and I, I like getting gifts, and so do you, and, and I like giving them even more, but I also like getting gifts because it's awesome and fun and exciting, and especially if you want to get me any coffee, uh, bless you. I love Christmas, but, but many times I feel like I get more excited about Easter because it's like this raw, crazy moment of God just invading hell, snatching the keys to death, hell, and the grave, rising from the dead. He's risen. We can have choirs. I mean, it's awesome. But sometimes Christmas, the story, I feel like sometimes I've thought of it in my head as like a child's story. Like something I'll tell my daughter that the safe part of Christianity is this is this child coming into the earth. I, I don't really want to show her pictures of the crucifixion. That would be kind of brutal and gruesome, and I don't know if she can handle that yet. That's the adult part of the story, but this first part is the kid's part, and so, and so, and so I've, I've, I've thought that my, I don't know, I've just thought that, and, and I read this, that I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation. And when I read that, God spoke to me. He said, the gospel is the whole thing gospel is the baby all the way through and before that and then after that the gospel is everything that you are not ashamed of it because none of it is a child's story it's all for you I started thinking about this and I read the the, the first story uh, in Matthew each each writer of the gospel tells a different picture of of the story of Jesus in fact Matthew starts right at the beginning and Matthew paints Jesus from his perspective as if three of us were to stand on the, on the edge of the street out here and see a car accident, uh, and, and all three of us were to write our description of what happened, we would write from the perspective that we had while watching what was going on, while also relating to whoever was asking us. If it was the newspaper we were reporting to, we would say it a certain way, or if it was a best friend we were telling it to, we would say it a different way, or, or, or if it was a YouTube channel or a Snapchat, we would say it totally different. And so the gospel writers were all speaking from their perspective, eyewitnesses, from their, their vision to their audience. So, so we have to know that reading this Bible. We, we cannot think that this Bible was written just to us uh, because it was written through the ages. It was written for the people that they were writing to. They were writing a letter to people to revolutionize their life. And, and Matthew was writing to the Jews. And to the Jews, he was allowing them to see Jesus as king. Somebody say Jesus as king. So the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this. And uh, the other ones described him different ways, but we're going to stick on Matthew tonight because in Matthew, 
they painted Jesus as king. And Jesus is king, baby. He is king of kings and lord of lords. And just because he came as a baby does not mean he didn't have power. Because if God wanted, he could have split the skies open and said, hello, it's me, G-O-D. <laughs> Back up, right? And swords sticking out of his mouth, lightning out of his eyes. People would have ran in every direction and they would have worshipped because they were afraid of God. But God did not want people to be afraid of him. They, he wanted them to fear him, which is totally different than being afraid. To fear is to give awe or reverence to something bigger than you. And God took all of his power and he put it into his love. Yeah, he could have put it into anything, but he put it into his love. Somebody say, God loves you. Come on, somebody say, God loves me. That's hard to say, huh? It's hard to say. I, I'm okay when you get quiet. I like it when you shout, but I'm okay when you get quiet because I know that God's hitting you right now. God loves me. Took all of his power and put it in his love. And the only way he could appear to us would be as a baby. But do not mistake Matthew writing about him as a baby for weakness. Do not mistake Matthew writing about him as a baby for lack of strength, because a prelude to the baby showing up, Matthew gave a long lineage of why he was a bloodline king, that he came through the line of kings after kings after kings. He was born of this tribe to this way to that way, and he was the son of David. Over and over and over again, Matthew calls Jesus the son of David. He was trying to paint to the Jewish people that this is the king you've been waiting for. This is the Lord you've been wanting. I know you thought you wanted David. I know you thought you wanted Josiah. I know you thought you wanted a king of this earth, but God has already given you a king. His name is Jesus. I'll say it this way to this group of people. I know you thought you wanted a pastor. I know you thought you wanted a leader. I know you thought you wanted a father in the faith. But God has already given you one father, one leader, one pastor, one coach, one preacher. Please don't put me in his position. No star hung over my manger. In fact, I was born in a hospital. No wise men visited me, nor did they you, but they did him. And this baby seems innocent, but from the start of this baby, kings were pursuing to take his life. Sending secret plot lines and the magi and magistrate and different secret CIA agents of the time would come in with special gifts pretending to give the baby Jesus gifts, but all along, the kings of the universe were trying to find this baby, this king who threatened their earthly kingdoms. His name was Jesus. He, he didn't come just to be a baby lying in a manger. He came to turn the world upside down, baby. I don't know if you know this Jesus. I know the American church knows a watered-down Jesus, sweet baby Jesus, in a manger Jesus, but this Jesus was dangerous, baby. What baby do you know in a hospital right now that the presidents of countries and kings of nations are worried about him getting out of that hospital alive but this baby Jesus was such a threat and when this baby Jesus was prophesied to the ones that would be his parents in Matthew we see Joseph I don't have time to read it I dare you to go read it yourself 
Why not this month? We listen to Christmas music all month. If you do, you're like me. I love it, man. Christmas music. I got the beads, Christmas music. If you haven't heard Family Force 5 Christmas music, you got to get it. Lauren Dangle has a new, I don't even know if that's how you say her name. It's awesome. The Grinch who stole Christmas. Lyric is taking it on with me. We, we listen to Christmas music. Uh, I don't like country music, but I do like Christmas music. Come on, somebody. And you got to listen to it all month. You got to, right when the turkey's over, you got to put it on, baby. You got to put up the tree. You got to hang the lights. You got to get in the Christmas spirit. We, you remember we're at the cabin and we'll just put it on. Just put it on. And all of a sudden the mood changed. The atmosphere changes when we put Christmas. Yeah, I think we'll have to put some on later just to get some of you people happy again. Amen. Christmas has its own music, has, I mean, this holiday we, we, will, we will wrap bows and presents and give gifts and uh, my favorite kind of gift giving party is a white elephant gift giving party. Come on somebody, anybody like the white elephant gift, I, I don't know if you ever played this game but it's really cool, you put a lot of weird gifts in the middle of a table, you wrap them really nice and you hope that someone picks your gift while you hope that you get the gift that someone actually spent money on, amen. If you don't know how to come up on that, just look for the gift that's wrapped not very good. That means a dude did it, and he didn't have very much time. You got a one or two chance. You could 50%. It could be a really weird thing that a dude would wrap up, or it could be a Starbucks gift card, which is at least a come up from an elf lawn ornament. Amen. <laughs> I love Christmas, man. It's awesome. I mean, all, all, the, all the presents. I mean, if you go to the Grove right now, you can get snowed on by fake snow. And, and there's ice skating, and, and, there's, and there's singing, and, and there's caroling, and there's, there's caramel apple cider, and there's red cups at Starbucks, and there's red cups at the Fearless Lounge, and people are happy, and we'll even sit on old men's laps and tell them what we want for Christmas. I mean, come on. It's awesome. Anybody love Christmas in the house tonight? It's like the holiday of a drunken man, you know? You know? Holiday of a drunken man. If it feels like that, you know, like it's like, honey, uh, why is there a tree in our house? Ah, I chopped the tree down and brought it inside. <laughs> I hung my socks by the fireplace and put some candy in it. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is the, you know, fruitcake is is how you know this is a holiday of a drunk man. Put all kinds of nasty crap inside this thing. Have you ever eaten fruit fruitcake? I mean, it's horrible. It's you find like treasure maps in there and stuff. I mean, it's awkward. I love. Does anybody love Christmas? But as I'm reading about the first Christmas, I'm, I'm shocked because the first Christmas, there were no bows or gifts or trees. In fact, there were no reindeer. There was a lamb. There were no trees. There was the preparation for the tree of life. In fact, the first Christmas, no one was celebrating. They didn't even know the date. They, they, they didn't have the plan down. There was only one gift giver at the white elephant gift party. His name was God. And he gives Mary and Joseph, this gift, this gift that they wanted, right? This gift they were excited about. They couldn't wait to unwrap God's gift from Amazon that he picked out weeks in advance for them. The perfect gift. Because whenever you give a gift, you want the person that gets it to like it, right? <laughs> I'm always having struggles with my wife because I'm just confessing to you. I don't know what she likes. I'm trying to always figure out what she likes. And when I give her a gift, I, my passion is that she likes it, my passion. And so every year I, I'm put up to the challenge, the grueling challenge of trying to figure my wife out. And men, I've just kind of accepted that I will never figure her out. She is awesome and amazing all by herself. 
I just keep the receipt. That's, that's the good news for you. Just keep the receipt. She can take it back and get what she wants. You can pretend you got her something, and then she just keeps the receipt and takes it back. But God gives the gifts. And I, I picture Mary and Joseph opening this gift the first day. In fact, Matthew tells us about Joseph opening, and God speaks to him through the Holy Spirit. You're going to be the father of the Messiah. You're going to be the father of the king of kings. And if that was me, I, I mean, that's pretty I, that's pretty awesome honor that God would choose you. I mean, Israel, can you imagine this? You're sitting in your house. You're dating a girl, but you're not married, and you're, 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 you're getting ready to be married. And, and God comes in and says, Israel, Mary's pregnant. And she ain't pregnant from some person from around the block. She's pregnant from the Holy Spirit. And you're like, oh, no, no, I ain't going to believe that, God. Come on, you, you think I'm that dumb? I've seen on Twitter what's going on. You know, I've, I've seen her liking other people's pictures. You know, this is, this is what happens. God comes in and breaks in and gives Joseph a gift. Now, now you think Joseph opens and he goes, oh, my gosh, God, thank you for this gift. This is, I've always wanted this. This is the perfect gift. This is my favorite. I've been, th- how do you know? How did you did, did you talk to the old white man that I sat on his lap the other week at, at Walmart? Did you speak to him because I told him that I wanted a baby and not to be married and to to be birthed through the Holy Spirit? I wanted to be the father of the Messiah. How did you know? And all of a sudden, Joseph is not excited. The Bible shows him freaking out. In fact, Joseph is not trying to find a way to get closer to sweet baby Jesus. And worship him. Joseph is trying to find the backside of town to get out as fast as possible. Joseph is looking how to divorce Mary, uh, Mary privately. He's looking for a way out of this arrangement. He's looking for how he can take God's gift back. And the Bible actually says that the angel has to tell Joseph this line, fear not. I mean, the gift has not just become something he doesn't like or wants to take back, or or it doesn't fit right. The gift has become something he's afraid of. He he looks at the gift and he freaks out so much that he's speechless, and the angel has to calm him down and say, Joe, it's going to be okay. Fear not. Joe, you were born for this moment. You were prepared for this moment. God God chose you. See, see, I I thought a long time ago that it was going to be a fun thing to be chosen to change the world. I thought it was going to be an exciting thing to be chosen to change the world. But the Christmas story reminds us that sometimes when you've been chosen by God, it freaks you out before you accept the blessing of it. Sometimes when you've been chosen by God to change the world, before you can rejoice over it, you run from it. Have you ever run from what God put in your life? As something to compel you, to further you, to challenge you. You know what's crazy is this Christmas story, just like our story, looks better looking back on it. If we were to read the story in Matthew, we would find that as soon as Joseph says, okay, fear not, I'm not going to fear. They go to one town, and then they can't find any place to stay, and the doors keep shutting on them. And finally, the only place that Mary could give birth is in a manger, in the stall, in the trough of an animal. And then not only that, the wise men come, they finally get gifts, but they find out the wise men were only there to discover where baby Jesus is, to kill this newborn baby. And 
Then we discover that because they couldn't find the baby, the king of that area killed every newborn male from the age of zero to two years old, killed every baby born. Can you imagine that every baby that was Jesus' age up to two years old did not exist? Because every time God sends a deliverer to this earth, the enemy knows it, and he tries to strangle out the youth in that generation. It happened in Moses' generation. That was why Moses was floated in a basket down by the river. It happened in Jesus' generation, and guess what? It's happened in your generation. Abortion has taken out more babies in this generation. Why? Because God is promising he's sending believers through the canal of a generation. Every 14 generations, God sends a movement to rise up. This is why you're in a nightclub in downtown LA worshiping Jesus. You don't got any bubbly in your cup, but you got the most high in your heart and you're worshiping him, not because he gave you something, but because you love him. There's something in you that says there has to be more. I don't know about religion. I don't know about faith, but I do know that there has to be a God. And every time God sends a generation to wake up, the enemy tries to kill that generation. That's why your generation is full of depression, full of suicide, full of anxiety. That's why just the last few months I've been walking through anxiety myself. And I said, God, why am I going through this? I'm the pastor of Fearless Church. This is not okay. And God said, I have to take you through things to help get a generation out of things. I have to send someone to go first. See, leadership is not being the smartest, the fastest, the bravest. It's the first. It's saying, God, I'll go first. Whatever you want, God, right here. I'm not afraid of your gifts. Because sometimes when God gives gifts, they freak you out before they bless you. And Joseph was running from the gift of God. God says, fear not. Fear not, fearless church. Fear not, fearless church. Fear not, generation. Fear not, revolutionaries. Fear not, future Daniels and Davids and, and Shadrach and Meshachs and Abednego. Fear not, because a baby came in a manger. But the baby in the manger was not a cute little story. It was the greatest prison break to ever exist. Because the baby in the manger was the gift wrapped up that the enemy would never see coming. You see, what you need to know about king and the kingdom is that we live behind enemy lines. And when the king showed up, it was an act of war against hate, against the lies, against fear, against depression, against anxiety. See, my wife told me the other week, she said, did you think we were going to name our, fearless, our church fearless and not have a fight with fear? I said, yeah, you're right. Let's go. Come on. First, I thought of naming it something else, like, you know, happy church. <laughs> and we have a fight with nothing. We're just happy. And then I realized, no, God, you gave me that name. So whatever you gave me, this is why Holy Spirit spoke to Joseph and he said, Joseph, what is in Mary is not from you. This is why he told him that. Because anything that God begins, God finishes. You have to know what is in my life. If it's not begun by God, I might as well just drop it like a hot ticket and walk away. Because whatever God begins, he finishes. If I began it, then I have to finish it. If it's a cool idea, not a God idea, I may want to walk away from it and pick up the God ideas. Because whatever God Whatever God sets up, he provides for. 
I've found this over and over and over again. And I'm telling you this, that the gifts that God gives, they scare you before they bless you. I was scared of preaching before I preached. Now I travel around the world preaching. I love doing it. But before I loved doing it, I hated doing it. I used to be found in the bathroom before I'd preach, just nervous, reading one scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, over and over again. And people, I mean, people probably thought I had some kind of bowel issue or something. I would just run into the bathroom, close the thing, and I, and I would just sit in there until people would leave. And I would just read the scripture over and over and over again until I believed it. And I wouldn't come out. Sometimes I'm looking for the speaker. Where is he at? Oh, he's in the bathroom. Uh, yeah, sorry, I was just in the bathroom. I wasn't in the bathroom. Going to the bathroom, I was getting courage to step onto that stage because the gifts that God gives will freak you out before they bless you. Joseph is running from the gifts of God. Mary is running from the gifts of God. God actually has to reach in and says, fear not. But you know what? I, I don't really believe it's the gift of God that freaks you out because we know that God is a good father. We know that he is a good dad. We know that God gives good gifts. We've seen throughout history that God gives good gifts. You can't take a breath of air and not realize that your God is a good God. Every breath I breathe. You cannot smell something you love and know that God is not a good God. See that beautiful person that you call your family and know that God is not a good God. We know that he's a good God. And I don't believe it's the gifts of God that really freak us out. I believe it's the wrapping paper. It's the paper that the gifts come in. It's the package that God seems to wrap it in. It's, it's the creativity of our God. How he wraps. He wraps different than man wraps. I don't know about you, but my grandpa uh, likes to wrap things that shouldn't be wrapped. Anybody ever got a gift that shouldn't have been wrapped? Like a box of cereal? You hoped it was an Xbox, but it was a box of Cheerios. <laughs> my grandpa my grandpa used to wrap up everything. He would just free stuff. I mean, socks, but not just wrap up a package of socks. He would pull each sock out of the package, two to a pair, and wrap it in a separate wrapping so it felt like we got more gifts. I think my grandpa spent more on the wrapping paper than on the gift. And isn't that how people give it? Try to make it all look all big. I mean, it's like, wow, whoa, what's that? I mean, you get a, a package, you're like, oh, wow, that one looks awesome. It's ornate and exciting. There must be something good in that. You're like digging around, and then there's like nothing. You're like, is there anything in here? Is something going to bite me? I mean, because as men, we love to puff things up, but really there is nothing inside. But when God raps, he doesn't rap as men rap. Because he's not wrapping the gift to impress. He's wrapping to keep it hidden. See, remember, he's a king, and this is a kingdom, and you're behind enemy lines. So when God sends you a gift, he doesn't want anybody to know it's coming. When God puts a gift in a generation, he doesn't want all eyes on the paper. In fact, because if they see the paper and are drawn to the gift, they might take the gift out before it's time. This is why Jesus had to be born in a manger instead of a five-star hotel. No trumpets announced him. He was announced to shepherds. Not a waiting party, only the magistrate and the wise men came to see him with a few gifts. Why? Because he had to be wrapped in an unlikely package on the backside of nowhere, born to a teenage virgin 
little girl who didn't even have a real job. This is how God came into the earth, not because he wasn't valuable, because God doesn't care so much about the wrapping. It's more about what's in the box than the paper on the outside. Oh, this ought to make a few people excited in this room because some of us feel like God hasn't wrapped us in very ornate packages. Some of us feel like we don't have much to offer people. Just look at me. Look at me. I don't know who I am. Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and say, there is no way God could use me? What are you talking about but the paper? Of course you're in hidden pages. Of course he wrapped you from the backside of nowhere with not the right gifting and not the right talent and not the right ability on that. Of course he made you despised and rejected and left out and not the top and not the fastest. Of course he had them walk out on you. Why? Because they were just looking at the paper, not at what was on the inside. But God does not wrap from the outside in. He wraps from the inside out. You see, when God raps, he might write things on the box or allow them to write whatever they want. Maybe scribbles or lines or wounds or hurt or words. He might allow them to write loser upon you. Not because you are a loser, but because that's just the paper, baby. And as long as you can get past the paper, you can unlock what's on the inside, which is the gift. No one in this room gets to the paper and goes, oh my gosh. Thank you so much for this amazing paper. I'm going to cherish it forever. You are amazing with this paper. I love this paper. I'm saving it. I mean, the person would be like, okay, cool. I, I, is there an issue from your childhood about paper? I mean, I mean they're, and they're just like, cool, thank you. Come back next week. What are you doing with that? Did you open it? No. I've just been carrying around the paper. It's too be- I don't even know what to do with it. I don't even know how to open it. <laughs> M- maybe God also didn't put beautiful paper so we wouldn't get stuck on the paper. We wouldn't get so captured on the paper like, I don't know if I could get past this paper because this paper is so important. No, no, what's important is what's on the inside that I've put in you. What's really important, Abraham, we don't care what Abraham looked like, what he sang like what he talked like. All we care is that he believed God and God called him a friend. All we really care with is that one day he opened the package and he got to what was on the inside and what was on the inside looked nothing like what was on the outside. Wow, it's a light. I I would have never guessed that. From the wrapping, I thought it was like, I don't know, corridor. Furby or Chia Pet. But wow, how crazy is it that you could live your whole life in the wrapping and then one day take it off and you're a whole different person. The whole time you thought you were one thing, but all of a sudden God revealed something new. Doesn't the Bible say the whole creation eagerly waits? I I believe that verse is kind of like this. All of creation is sitting around the table and God's left all these amazing gifts called you and you're sitting still in your paper Worried about your paper, rejected by your paper, frustrated by your paper, anxious by your paper, (laughs) 
and they didn't wrap me right. They didn't put the tape on right. They didn't put the sticky on right. There's not even a card on this one. I don't even, I don't even look, I don't even match. They put two different papers together to form me. And all of creation is like waiting around. Like waiting like kids at a birthday party for you to open what God has given you. The Bible says creation eagerly awaits the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Meaning who you came in as is not who you're leaving as. Something more is inside you. If you believe it, say amen. Come on. If you believe it, say amen. Say, how do I believe it? You feel it inside. You don't even want to say it out loud, but you feel like you were born for something great. You don't quite know exactly you thought it was this. Or you, but there's got to be more. Why do I feel so important, yet so hated? Huh. Yeah, because no one hated anyone more than sweet baby Jesus. Yet he was the most important person in all the earth. Yeah, promotion always brings haters. God is calling a generation to open what he gave you. Can you get past the paper? Can't you deal with how he wrapped you? It's found in the beginning that the story is about a kingdom. This is not about a baby. This is about opening gifts. And it's not about presence. It's about presence. The presence of the Lord that lives inside of me has to come out. Look, when I was called to be a preacher, I was scared of it. I ran from it. When I was called to be a pastor, I said, no way, never. I don't want to be a pastor. I don't even like pastors. I don't even want to go to church. I don't like church that much. Pastors, they have to live at church. Here I am, a pastor of a church preaching the gospel. I was comfortable where I was at with my job and my house and my cars and my, I had three secretaries at the church I worked at. What, I mean, what do you do with three secretaries? I am very disorganized. I just need to let you know that. <laughs> it freaked me out when God said, quit this job, quit all your salary, quit all your income and move to a land that you do not know called L.A. Move to L.A., no income, no nothing. But I'm telling you what, wherever God starts, he finishes. I don't know how he does it, but every single time. And it's been an adventure with God. You can sit in your old jacked up wrappings for the rest of your life like a kid with a birthday present he's never opened. Or you can rip that paper off like my son does. Look, I, I can't even hardly keep the, the presents under the tree. My son is like under there. I'm like, no, it's not Christmas yet. He's like, what if we started getting like that with God? We're not even waiting. Why, why wait? Why keep all these old grave clothes on? Why keep all this old jack stuff on? Why keep all these things that people put on me on? I'm taking this off. I'm coming out, baby. I'm a whole new person. I'm called of God. I'm chosen of God. I am. Mary and Joseph were chosen by God. Chosen to change the world. As Ben comes up, I want to read this last thing, and I love this way that Romans puts it in the message version. So bad. So amazing. It says in Romans chapter 3, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse number 3. Romans 8, 3. It says this in the message version. As Ben comes up. It says, God went for the jugular. <laughs> Love that. 
God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. In his son Jesus, he personally took on the human condition. He entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. Wow. The law of the code, weakened as it always was by fractured human nature, could never have done that. The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. You see, the law, when Moses, leave that up, when Moses came down with the Ten Commandments, it was not really God trying to get us to live up to that. I know, I know that messes with some of your religion right there. But it was really God trying to say, you can't get with this. It was really God trying to say, hey, if you want to be perfect as I am perfect, here you go. Oh, you, you got those down? Okay, here's, here's about 613 more. When you got those down, come talk to me. That's just the bottom of the foothills. We'll go to the top of the mountain. So finally God sends Jesus, and Jesus climbs all the way up the mountain, and he dies for his sin, which is at the top of the mountain, which is rule number 8,892. I don't know. God never got there because sin is death. It leads to death. So Jesus came and paid that price to show us that you don't have to climb the mountain. I'm climbing it for you. You don't need a Band-Aid to cover sin or religion to cover sin. I'll just come be the healing ointment. I love that baby Jesus was just the wrapping to sneak Jesus in on the backside of town through a teenage womb. It was a, it was a borrowed womb and a borrowed tomb. But at both places, the devil shook when Jesus showed up. The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. And now, what the law code asked for but we couldn't deliver is accomplished as we instead, redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, I love this, grave-tending life. It's not a timid, oh, God has wrapped me in this chunky clothing of lameness and ordinary and, oh. I wish I was great like them. I wish I was awesome. I wish, yeah, Jesus loves me, but not that much. <laughs> Ever felt like that? Yeah, Jesus loves me, but probably not that much. Because obviously, I mean, all this, you know, it's not wrapped that good. It's ripping over here. Someone ripped this when I was five. Someone wounded me over here, and God didn't do anything about it. He just left it like that. Why? Because he was hiding me. I like it when you get quiet. It means God's doing something in you. Stop grave tending. You've been called to eternal life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with childlike. Remember we talked about at the beginning? That we're going to be like children again this Christmas. Come on, not like last Christmas, but this Christmas, we're going to be like children again. Come on, we're going to worship Jesus with everything we got. I love this. It's like childlike. Like, what's next, Papa? When's the last time you called God Papa? That, that's just, I mean, that's almost awkward. Papa, Dad. Not God. Father. Daddy. What's next, Dad? 
What do you want to do next, Dad? That was awesome. Thank you for re thank you for reaching into me and putting something greater in me than the package that it was around me. What's next, Dad? I got through that. I'll get through this. Let's rip this off over here. Look, some of you have been wearing the same thing for 20 years. Some of you have been wearing the same clothes for 20 years, and this is how easy it comes off. All the shame. Some of you are still so mad. Some of you have wrapped your own self. You've wrapped yourself in shame, wrapped yourself in guilt. Oh, I'm not a good Christian. I'm not a good believer. I'll never work. I'll never. So I, I, I believe some men come in this room that are married, and they're trying to worship, but they know their wife is sitting right next to them. And all the way here, they got in a fight. And they know on the way home, if they lift their hands, their wife's going to go, oh, you like Christian now? You a believer now? Or someone's here with their girl? Oh, now you, now you love Jesus in front of all these people? We're struggling with the package. And they're not even thinking that. But we put our packages on ourselves. Oh, yeah, I got drunk last night, so I don't know if I can really worship God today. I don't, I don't know if he loves me, so I'm just wrapped up in all this stuff. I guess I'll just live in it for the rest of my life. No, no God wants you just to take it off. Just take it off. Just take it off. Just take it off and reveal what's on the inside and come into the adventurously expectant, greeting God with childlike faith. What's next, Dad? What's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are. Fearless. Do you know who you are? the answer is no, why not find out? Thank you for listening. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.